0: Hello again, and welcome to Faith, Family, and Politics. I'm your host, Joshua Cummins. Uh, can you hit that uh, Louie button for us there, Cam? It's the top? Yeah.
1: We're going to have a really big Actually, you got to turn it on because
0: the, the audio listeners won't be able to hear it. There's a, there's a green button below it and a little uh, fader for it and everything.
1: We're going to have a really there we go. big show today.
0: Yeah, we are. Um, uh, Louie's got some personal things going on, and uh, so does Alan, so they won't be uh, joining uh, us today. Um, but we do have a really special episode planned for you. Uh, got to see my name graphic is still up there. <laughs> That's okay. There's a lot going on for you, Cam. Um, Cameron's trying to take over for, for Sterling and, uh, he's doing the best he can. Um, so for those uh, listening on audio video is, uh, it, it's been our, uh, Bane here lately. <laughs> um, I'm trying to figure it all out and help as much as I can. And, um, if you've got any video gurus out there, reach out to us and comment, comment, comment. Um, Uh, but joining me in studio today is Mr. Danny Tippett. Uh, as you know, uh, here at revolver broadcasting, we have more than just, uh, just the one show faith, women politics, but you know, when, when Louie, when he, he has his show, Rodriguez rants, make sure you're going to check that out. Alan has his show, the laughing libertarian and Danny Tippett. Well, he has a show that's called what Danny?
2: It makes sense podcast.
0: Yeah. And so make sure that you're checking that out as well, because man, it is a great show. If you like, you like theology, you like apologetics, that is the show to check out. I'm telling you, (laughs) I produce on it, and I'm just sitting here with my jaw open going, this is a lot of good information.
2: I I, appreciate that, Josh. Thank you very much.
0: (laughs) I do. I sit sit here in the studio as a fan Uh, while I'm producing, so I really do enjoy it. Um, And then today we have a very special guest. Um, He's a teacher of natural law, and his name is Mr. David Greenberg. There he is. Hey, David. Can you hear me? There he is. Got
1: you, Joshua and Danny, thanks so much for having awesome. me on the show today.
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah, thanks for being here.
1: Now, David, look uh, forward to a great conversation. Yeah, absolutely,
2: certainly.
0: Uh, would you go ahead and and kind of give us a little bit uh, on yourself and uh, what is uh, natural law?
1: Sure, I'm happy to do that. Uh, my name is David Greenberg. I am an artist and an educator, and I've created more than a hundred videos uh, on the topic of natural law, and objective morality, and of course, in the tran- in the course of today's conversation, I hope to define those terms very specifically for everyone, and as well as probably a bunch of other terms. So, I think we're gonna we're gonna dive in pretty deep here, um, but uh, yeah, that this is pretty much all I do. I've dedicated my life to this, and also I'm I'm happy to share more about why I decided to do that because this is frankly all happened for me in the last two years. This is not, you know, what I've been doing for many years. Um, this just kind of evolved out of my own personal journey and what I was able to learn and discover as a result of, of that journey.
0: Right on. And, and, uh, so yeah, can you give us like a little bit on what is natural law?
1: Sure. So basically, um, What I the way I like to explain this is uh, especially for people who've never heard this term before, might be brand new to it. Is uh, you're you all very familiar with the physical laws that are operating in our universe. So even a young child, if they can't describe the mathematics of how, say, gravity works or electricity or other physical properties of the universe, they come to learn. You know, we come to learn pretty quickly that there are fixed. There's a fixed nature to reality, and, and there are laws operating that, in the physical domain, that when we understand how they work, we have better experiences. When we don't understand and we try to go against those laws, we can actually get hurt. And we, in fact, we could even lose our lives because we're kind of butting up against the uh, boundary conditions of those physical laws. So, natural law is an extension of that, except now we're talking about a science and it is a largely hidden science, this is why a lot of people have never heard about this, uh, that instead of describing how things work just in the purely physical domain, now we're starting to understand how things work in the mental realm, which is what we also call the causal realm. Uh, Because we live in a world of cause and effects. Everything that happens in this reality has a cause. Sometimes it has a whole chain of causality. In fact, things always have a chain of causality. It's just, you know, there might be an immediate cause. And then as we go further back in time, we can see a chain of events. But we live in a universe of causality. And the principal causal plane for everything that we experience in this physical reality is coming from the mental realm. And there are reasons why this is so, and I hopefully, you know, I'm trying to explain as much as I can in one, you know, right at once. On. But obviously, yeah. we're going to need to break this down because it is a it is a very very deep body of science, and it is a science. I wanted to clarify because I think some te- sometimes people get the wrong idea. They think this is a belief system. It is not a belief system. In fact, belief is, if anything, it could be an obstacle to truly coming to a true understanding of natural law. So I I want to um, I want to specifically ask you to not believe anything I say. I don't want you to necessarily be ultra skeptical and just reject everything I'm saying. Um, but I'd rather you just listen to it, you know, with a high degree of teachability and then just take it under consideration. And well, then certainly later do. on we're
0: here to have a yeah. conversation. So that's the that's yeah. the point. Yeah.
2: And yeah. Let me ask you this since you're on this point, because I think this is a good point to make. So
1: how is this how is natural law a science versus a philosophy? It's a great question. The reason we know it's a science is because like any scientific principle, we can discover it. So we, we, like I said earlier, children can discover the physical laws even if they can't necessarily yet describe them in precise mathematical terms. So we can discover causality uh, in terms of natural law. Now, to be fair, there has always been a small group of people throughout all of history, and we can call them occultists, if you just use a very simple term for now, um, or initiates who have already been initiated into and have deeply studied these these sciences. So there's always been a small group of people that go very deep and have studied it and then teach it so that uh, others can learn it more easily. But even somebody who's never been exposed to natural law can discover it. And the reason is because natural law uh, has expressions in our reality and what it's doing, the main thing that perhaps for our conversation tonight that we can pay attention to is natural law explains to us why we're experiencing reality the way we are. You know, why why the world is the way it is today. And that's why I often ask people when they're not familiar with my work, one of the questions I love to ask people to gauge if, if they're even interested in learning this is, do you think that the world is, this is the best that we can do? Or do you feel like there's some better world that we can create and we're just lacking some knowledge that would allow us to unlock that greater level. And it's actually natural law that can do that uh, because when we behave in a certain way, and I'm gonna, we're gonna talk more about that, of course, but when we behave in a certain way, all of us, not just one person, because it's not a personal thing, but when the aggregate behaviors of all of humanity are a certain way, then we get certain outcomes. And we can measure those outcomes, and there are actually mathematically precise formulas, and I'm going to talk about one of them, uh, which is most relevant, I think, to this audience, since we're all interested in freedom, and that's called the law of freedom. So we're going to get into that as well. But the, the to answer your question concisely, it's because, like any science, it's knowable. It's discoverable, it's knowable, its, med, its effects are measurable, and... The more you dedicate yourself to learning it, the more you will see for yourself. Just like any scientists, anyone who's in, embarking on an endeavor, you will start to discover that. And uh, the philosophy of it, you know, there it is a, also a philosophy because right. philosophy is the love of wisdom. And when you when you align yourself with natural law. That's wisdom because then you get better outcomes. You create, you help to create better outcomes. You and then ultimately you can, you and everybody can enjoy life more.
2: Well, I I, I agree with you on that because I was going to say I I believe even with the hard sciences, every scientific, uh, every scientific method process, anytime that you're going to seek out some kind of truth, right, it's going to start off with a philosophical statement, usually a hypothesis. So. Um, because that 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 hypothesis hasn't been proved, you're making the you're making this claim in this statement. And you're going to see if it's testable, but you have to through a a, th- a process of thinking come up with you know, hey, this is the hypothesis, and so we're going to see this through. Um, not trying to compare it to hard science. I don't think that it's a hard science in the sense of like biology or chemistry, but more like maybe psychology or something like that. Um, so would would an example of natural law? Would it be something like what Thomas Jefferson said, like, um, we hold these truths to
1: be self-evident? Yes. In fact, uh, talking about rights, and that's actually a topic that I talk about a lot, mm-hmm. and I know it's going to be very relevant for your for this audience. Uh, so that is very true. And one of the things that I say in a lot of my teachings is I remind people that rights are actually inherent to nature, just as the Founding Fathers stated in, in the, their documents, they were stating an, a natural inherent truth. They weren't making something true. Right. They didn't make it true just because they said it. They were simply recognizing the truth of that statement, and they were putting it out there. Uh, and they were doing something that I think is very important: is speaking the truth. Even though something is already true, it is important for us to speak it over and over again. Um, if you know, for no other reason, because as we as we know. Those who speak lies and make deception in this world of, are very good at it. They're speaking lies and deception all the time. So we have an imperative to counter that by speaking the truth, even though it's already truth and it is uh, inherent to nature. I, I, so,
2: I, 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 I hear you on that. That's one thing. So, you know, I already talked to you and told you I listened to one of your episodes when the specific audio version, and you guys can go on his. Um, his uh, YouTube channel, and look up his audio version of what is natural law and, and objective morality. And um, you had you said you had a video version of that too.
1: Yeah, I've made some more yeah. recent, more recent material ones. And, okay. and the one that's probably most recent that's most relevant to that conversation is called "Knowing Your Rights." Gotcha. You. Okay, knowing your rights.
2: Well, I I was um. Go ahead and
0: continue the conversation. I gotta check out
1: upstairs.
2: We're okay, going. go ahead. I just wanted to um. Sort of add to when you're when we're talking about this in in when they say they're self evident one thing that i I completely agree with you on is uh, facts don't care about your feelings, right? Truth doesn't care about your feelings. you bring up the example of gravity it doesn't matter what you feel or think about gravity or whether you would think it exists or not. Um, if you go and jump off a two store building, the effects of gravity is going to be there right um, and so you know when we read Thomas Jefferson writing that you know these truths are self-evident he's making that claim that you can you can even deny that if you'd like but in your heart in your soul of souls you know that there are certain truths that are universal is that sort of is that sort of what you're uh, leaning on here
1: exactly exactly danny and this is a really important point when anyone goes in to start to study natural law or the occult sciences is the first step is is to be open. Is to recognize that there is an objective truth in nature that it does not depend on your opinion or your beliefs, and just be open to learn what that is. And and uh, one thing I like to clarify is n- you're absolutely right. Natural law, just like the physical laws, does not care. It's not a caring uh, uh, science. It's not a caring force of nature right. in the strict sense. However, in the biggest sense. It's actually on our side. So this is the paradox of natural law. On the one side, you're not going to be able to get away from its effects. It's inescapable as long as we're in this physical 3D reality. But it's actually unlike what some people think. And there are people who think that this is a prison. This is a prison because of natural law. There are actually people who believe that. Um, But that is not the case. Natural law exists for optimal and maximal benefit. And when we harmonize with it, we actually have the ability to unlock the maximum amount of freedom in the physical domain. And that's part of what I'm enthusiastic about the study of natural law because I, I see very clearly from my own study that that is the case. But yes, you're all. It's so it's a paradox. On the one side, you're not going to be able to stop it. You're not going to be able to escape it. But it's actually for all of our benefit. And as long as we can come to know and understand it, we're going to create better outcomes for all of us.
2: So you're starting to really hit on something that I. I and this was so funny because while we were, we talked uh, prior to the show, Josh and I and David. We all had a conversation to sort of see if, if this would be something that we could do, you know, and if yeah. if it was a conversation we could all have. And, um, there was surprisingly, and after watching that episode, there's surprisingly a lot that, uh, we, I, I agree with you on, but I think we agree from a different, uh, not different sides. It's not the, you know, I did mention that this was, uh, I don't know if you remember this, David, I said that we may be, uh, different sides of the same coin. Do you remember me saying that? Sure. I, I don't know that we are actually on different sides of the coin. Um, I think we're closer to the same side, however, there is a, a, a part of this where I go a little bit more origins on what natural law and the origins of it. And you hinted to this because I thought you were a naturalist when we first, Josh had brought up your yeah, name. I even made the graphic and, and originally I had to we, change it. <laughs> we talked about it and I was like, oh, he's a nat- naturalist, which, you, which is typically an atheist, right? A person who only believes in the natural sciences, does not believe in the su- supernatural at all. But that's not, that's not true for you from what you have said, can you can you elaborate on that or give us a little bit more
1: on that? Sure. So the way I've come to understand spirituality is uh, everybody's gonna have their own beliefs and their way of coming to know God or know creation. And I don't, in, as part of my work, I never presuppose to try to tell somebody this is the way you should relate to God or relate to, to creation or the creator. Um, having said that there are ways in which the traditions of occult knowledge have brought that down and the one that's probably closest to the way I think about it is uh, we are actually living all living in what's called the all which is the in totality of everything which is you can think of it like a giant mind like we live in the mind of God as it were and we're all a part of it and this is part of the hermetic tradition so, People might be familiar with the seven Hermetic principles. The first principle being mentalism: the all is mind, the universe is mental. Um, so, my personal relationship with God or creation is, I I consider myself. I've come to understand I'm a part of that, and being a part of that, I have a natural and inherent direct connection to to all of creation. It's. Through my limited perspective, because as a physical human, as a human being incarnated in this 3D physical reality, I'm obviously not the totality of creation. I'm just, I'm just experiencing it as an aspect, as a point of attention. But I'm also fully connected to that entire creation. So everything I need to know God, as it were, is within myself, and this is why we occultists, we, we teachers of natural law, always tell people that the most important work that anybody can do is to know yourself. I think even Jesus was quoted as saying something like that, know thyself. I'm not extremely familiar with the scriptures and, and all of the sayings and teachings, but I know there's a very famous saying where, there's actually many famous sayings that come through the ages that talk about the importance of knowing the self. And the reason is because when you know yourself, you you can know God. You can know the universe, and that's that's a very very true statement. And that's basically how I relate to spirituality. All
2: right, Josh, did you have anything?
0: No, I'm I'm just I'm I'm soaking this in right now. Okay. I'm trying to pro, I'm still processing a lot of so, this. So
2: so from a Christian worldview, and and th- and there'll be a question out of this once I I'll, I'll sort of state the Christian worldview is that there is a God who is omnipresent, omnipotent, omnibenevolent and um, omniscient, right? So all-knowing, all-good, uh, all-present, uh, all-powerful. Um, did I get everything? All right. Pretty much. Um, and that this, this God exists out of space, outside of space, matter, and time. It, he created it, okay, right? And so with the Christian worldview, we sort of look at it the opposite, where we, we are told through Scripture what God revealed to us in this special revelation is to know God, and that will reveal to us who we are. So in light of knowing him helps us to see us for who we really are. And and otherwise, when we don't do that, we will see ourselves in a in a very different way than what God actually sees us, which is very evident even with a person who comes to know Christ through salvation, that they oftentimes still don't see themselves. They, they oftentimes continue to live in self-condemnation. They live in this uh, way of life that is very much, um, woe is me, and they don't realize that God does not see them that way. And so... Knowing self, uh, leading to knowing God, is the opposite of us for a Christian worldview. So with with naturalism, and you spoke about these seven uh, principles, um, hermetic principles, first of all, can you define for our audience hermetic? And then can you go through those briefly? And then lastly, if you would do this for me, how where do all of these principles derive from In the 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 the, the, when you talk about creation or to the creator, who is this creator? So you have a you have a God that's of spirit in the Christian worldview that has all of these attributes that permit permit him, not permit him. He has the power to create all of this. Okay, only a God could have the power to create all this, and that's what we believe in the Christian worldview. From your worldview. What does your creator, what is his makeup? What does he look like? How does he have the power and ability to do this? I know you just started to get into the mentalism part of it. But if you could go into hermetics and then the rest of that, um, those points and then sort of describe what does your creator look like? Because that is where I probably disagree with you. On, on that point, but also I'm very curious to know because I believe that truth starts with an origin. There's there's a source that we have truth from, and it's very important to know where that source is coming from because that could determine what truth you're believing, okay? So, for instance, if I believe I'm my source of truth, okay, then that's where we get those statements, my truth is my truth and Josh's truth is his truth, which that's not objective truth, nor can we derive objective morality from that. We end up having the subjective uh, position when it comes to truth and morality, and you and I both agree that that's that could be very damaging and very destructive. Um, so, what what does this source of truth look like for you? Who who or what is it? Is it a is it a spiritual being? Is a is it a, just an energy? Or and how did it create what we have here today, especially natural law?
1: Okay. Sorry. That was probably, that was a answer, lot. The best of, I'll try and remind try you on answer. anything. <laughs> sure. I mean, the only thing I'll remind everyone, I'm sure you guys are all aware that this, 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 uh, natural law can be studied for a lifetime. I mean, this is a huge body of knowledge. So, um, what we're trying to do today is give people enough of taste and some pointers of where they can go to deepen their understanding. So I, I want to just set the expectation that I'm not necessarily going to be able to give definitive answers to everything today, and I and I recognize that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to explain things to the best of my ability. Sure. Uh, what I'd like to do to help people see one of the things that I I think I said this earlier is we always want to be willing to acquire new knowledge. So I'm gonna recommend everybody here. Go and get a book or listen to an audiobook. It's called The Kybalion. K-Y-B-A-L-I-O-N. Kybalion. It's called The Kybalion by Three Initiates. It's an old book. It's probably more than just over 100 years old. Um, you can de- easily download the PDF or you can, I think you can still get print copies. And then, of course, you can listen to the audio
2: Can you spell that yeah. one more time?
1: K-Y-B-A-L-I-O-N. Okay. And I'm not sure what that term refers to. I think its meaning may have been lost with time. But it's basically a book that explains hermeticism and the seven hermetic principles of creation, which we, you know, as a teacher of natural law, I've often called them the principle, seven principles of natural law. So if you want to understand natural law at a very foundation level, this is a great book to start with. And I want to encourage everybody to go read that book um, and see what you can learn from it because it's fairly concise, uh, but also very deep. And, and every time you read it, you're going to get something out of it. So yeah. And if you, if you have
0: have a link to that, David, if you have a link to that book, um, for the PDF or, or any, any links that, that goes towards that book, send it my way so I can put it in the description. Uh, sure. I know, I know I have
1: the audio book on my website. So, um, I'm sure you're going to provide a link to my website in yes. the show notes. And from the site, you can just search for Kabbalion in the search box on my site, and it'll come right up. I have both the PDF and the audiobook on my website. Cool. So uh, I'll just mention briefly, uh, because I think because there's interest, and just to help answer the question that Danny asked, uh, there's basically seven principles to hermeticism. And the first principle is called the principle of mentalism. And these are principles that describe in a simple and elegant way the way the entire universe works, if you want to put it in simple terms. These are principles of how reality works at a universal level, everywhere in the universe, okay? Um, The first one is called the principle of mentalism. The all is mind. The universe is mental. And basically, a way to think about this is everything that exists is like one big universal, eternal, infinite living mind. There is nothing outside of it. Everything that exists is necessarily a part of it. So there's no external, uh, meaning there's no there's no no creator or entity that that can live outside of it. Everything literally is within this great mind. Question. And essentially, this. This question, great mind uh, is, Question, David. It, uh, so yeah, that, let, me
0: so, so okay. let me just finish yeah. this point. Let me
1: just finish yeah. this point. So this great mind is experiencing itself as creation. And it's experiencing itself in order to learn about itself and, and learn and grow and discover. And this has been described allegorically in many, many songs and many, many uh, films and many artistic creations have attempted to convey this idea that... Uh, and even some famous comedians like Bill Hicks have made reference to it, and others. Uh, basically, God or cre- all of creation is experiencing itself, and we are parts of that experience, and we are just choosing to live out, you know, temporary roles in this great play of experience of allowing creation to to grow and experience itself. And there are other properties. That's just the first of the seven hermetic principles. Yeah. We can get more into the other ones, but. This is essentially answering the question of, of the nature of God with relation to the creation.
0: Okay. So, yeah. So that, that um, still goes in with my question. So you it sounds like you're saying like uh, a single consciousness for, for everything, everyone and all of creation. Is, am I grasping that correctly?
1: At the ultimate level? Yes. Okay. However, at the individuated huh. level, we still experience reality through some form of separation. And, That is by design, because if we didn't, we would not be creation would not be able to evolve because we need we need a certain degree of separation. We need the ego, we need the worldly experience in this realm in order to experience and learn certain things. You know, we are here to learn and grow. This is you can think of this reality like a giant school, a giant spiritual school where we are here to figure certain to learn certain lessons. Ah, uh, both positively and negatively. So there there needs to be at least the illusion of separation. And I want to use that term very specifically because at the level of creation, it is an illusion. Everything that exists, just like we have thoughts in our minds and they are thoughts, and we can relate to them as real in our mind, but they don't exist outside of our mind. They're just thoughts, but they are real inside our mind. So we are, you know, from our perspective, this is all solid. I'm David Greenberg. You're not. You know, we're separate beings, but at a deep, deep level, the knowing behind the knowing, the connection to the higher self, the connection to spirit, we are truly all connected. We are not truly, we are not really ultimately separated. We're just going through the experience of being separate in order to learn and grow. Okay. Makes sense. I understand that.
0: (laughs) Uh, So you got got your, your second point? Do you wouldn't mind?
1: Do you want me to continue? Would you like me to continue yeah, sharing th- the different hermetic yeah. principles? Yeah,
0: we we can get uh, get into the, at least the seven before we before we transfer sure. over to the next portion
1: of the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the mentalism was the first one. The second one is called the principle of correspondence, and the Kabbalah in the Kabbalah says as above, so below. As a as within, as without. Another way of saying the same thing. The universe is self-similar across all scales. The universe is fractal holographic. The inner domain is likened to the outer domain, and the outer domain is likened to the inner domain. This is why I said earlier that to know yourself is to know the universe. We can't know what it's like to be in the mind of God, the mind of the creator, at least not from this perspective. But we can come to understand more about how the universe works even at greater scales by using the principle of correspondence. And, you know, we can even see it in the physical realm. Everything re- rotates, you know, we have the atoms with electrons rotating around the atom and then you have stars and you have planets rotating around the sun. I mean, even on a purely physical level, we can see that correspondence in action. You know, stars and galaxies, um, you know, everything being like giants, even similar to the cells of a body. So. Uh, we see it in the physical world, but it's also true in the mental world, in the mental realm. And so, this is the principle correspondence is one of the tools that we use to figure out why you know things work a certain way and why and how the universe works, and we can even come to better understand uh, higher levels of creation, even though we're not at those higher levels of creation, at least not right now.
0: So. Um sounds like you're saying like, so the, the, the large, if I'm, if I'm grasping this correctly, the largest of the, the heavens or the, or the expansion of the universe is also like it, it directly correlates to all the way down to the smallest, like down to like the quantum, uh, the quantum level. Does that sound about right?
1: Yeah. So again, if you think about it, the universe is holographic. What's, what's the prop principal property of a hologram? If you break it apart, this the small part contains the whole so it's it's a it's kind of an analogy it's not to say that that's ex, you know that every scale is exactly a copy or replica of, of the next scale up but basically we can come to understand how the universe works as a whole by ex, by experimenting on and examining how things work in the in the realm of for example this entire planet or even within one's own personal life one starts to discover correspondences and then through the discovery of those correspondences, one has aha moments and says, ah, now I understand why these things are the way they are. Now I understand why the inner chaos that I'm experiencing in my mind is reflected in the chaos I see in the world around me and if I can can create more order in my own internal realm, that's going to start to reflect the world around me, for example.
0: So do you think that those those realization, those aha moments come from the just experiences in life, like just as you, as you experience life. And, and how does one who's, who doesn't, who doesn't, who doesn't make it that far in life get to that aha moment before a crucial,
1: you know, point in their life. Great question. One of the reasons why I do the work that I do is I suffered a lot in my own life and had I understood a lot of these things when I was younger I could have experienced much less suffering I could have learned the lessons that I needed to learn much faster Uh, but you know that being as it may I can't change the past I'm just saying that you know to make note of that that was the case so what I've just you know part of the reason why I've committed my life to teaching this to as many people as possible is because we you know i'm actually encouraging you and everyone to actively study this material to actively learn natural law and the occult sciences because that will help you in your spiritual and and development and also in your development in whatever worldly affairs you choose to take on while you're in this lifetime so i actually want people to you know, make the conscious choice to become a student, to study these things, to read the Kabbalah and other texts, um, to learn as much as possible. And I want, you know, I'm going to be a big advocate moving forward of parents teaching this to their children. In fact, one of my upcoming presentations is going to talk about the importance of teaching natural law to children, because if, you know, unlike a lot of the occultists of the past who wanted to keep who actively wanted to keep this knowledge hidden? That's not my belief. That's not how I deem this. I think, I think this knowledge needs to be known by more people. This, everybody, sh- you know, I think everybody can benefit can benefit from this, and I want people to be exposed to it because that's going to help create the kind of world that I would want to live in. So that's my personal motivation for teaching it um, to create a world of freedom. So, yeah, I mean, simply by studying it. Every day, every week, making it part of your whatever your study is, you're going to gain insights, you're going to see things. Um, And it's all very personal. You know, everybody's going to have their own aha moments. Things are going to be relevant to you and your specific trajectory that aren't necessarily going to be relevant to me. So I can't, you know, I can't give you a prescription for what exactly you need to learn in order to tackle this specific thing. But I can tell you that you're going to benefit from learning this knowledge for sure.
2: So for somebody new who's um, who's who's seeking they're not they they're, they've been looking at all the various philosophies and various sciences and and religions and, and everything that you can see out there everything from atheism to Christianity to um, Islam to new age you know to atheism I mean to to being just an agnostic right or or purely a naturalist whatever you you, you want to call it. What is? Would you consider this an intellectual pursuit or logical pursuit? And if that is, if that is part of it, because I firmly believe, even in Christianity, we have a lot of people that come to Christianity through emotions, and those are also the same people that fall away quicker, because there'll always be something presented to them at their at, at the season they're in emotionally. If they accept Christ in in their emotions, and it's not something that they've reasoned out as well. Okay. Because I firmly believe that our faith is not blind. Our faith is is based on evidence that we see. And that evidence is a combination of what we have intellectually uh, reasoned and also what we have emotionally experienced. Um, with with this the natural law and sort of where you're wanting to see people learn, how would you explain to them to where this is not just a, a, an emotional endeavor because it would sort of for, you know, forfeit, or it would not do you any good to go around teaching everybody this, right? Because if we're going around sharing the gospel and we want to evangelize and we want to share the gospel of Jesus, we want to make sure that people, when they hear the gospel of Jesus, this is not just something, and Paul was very good at the apostle Paul is very good at this, was sharing the the reasonableness of the gospel, not just the emotion of it, right? We all have to deal with our sin, and in our sin, that can get real emotional because we feel guilty, we feel shame, we feel these things, these feelings that we get, but Paul tried to say, "Look, those are the feelings that you get, but understand that there is reason to believe in Christ from a intellectual perspective, but also from an, a heart matter as well." With with this natural law um, that that you are wanting to share, how do you keep somebody from being emotional about it and just falling away later on, rather than being and then or being able to it be sticky for them and because they've grasped it because they feel like it's an actual reasonable pursuit. What is reasonable or logical about this?
1: Great. So I took down four points that I want to tackle. So um, we'll, we'll, we can take as much time as we need to, to go through all of this. Okay. Um, the first point is I don't want to make people believe anything. I do not want to make you or anyone else believe anything. I have That's not at all what my approach is here. In fact, if people believe me, then... This is they're going about this, I think they're going about it the wrong way because no belief is required and I've actually made a video called No Belief is Required where I talk about this so it's not about belief, it's not about trying to get people to think a certain way it's about influencing people to see the truth as it actually is but nobody can be told, nobody can be made to know the truth they must come to know it themselves all that we can do as teachers, and this is all that any teacher can ever do of any in any capacity, is to show, to say what is true, what they know to be true from their perspective to the best of their ability, to speak truth, to, to share principles, and to give examples, of course, as a teacher, and then allow the students to come to the conclusion on their own. And I'm going to talk more about that process in a minute. But... Um, I'm not trying to get people to think anything. Yes, I have a, I do want, I do have a desire that the world be a certain way because I know that we were all born to be free. I know that we have that capacity, and I know that once more people understand this and inculcate it, then I will personally have, it will be have the have the privilege of living in a freer world. So of course I have a personal stake in it. But I'm not trying to get anybody to, to think or believe anything. I'm simply sharing what I know to be true. So that's the first of four points that I wanted to make. Um, should I continue or did you guys want keep to going. say something?
2: Yeah, keep going. Well, okay. No, okay. no, let me say something real quick. I'm sorry. I apologize. You said, yeah. I don't want people to believe me. I understand what you're saying, but I don't know that our audience would understand necessarily what you're saying because you are obviously evangelistic about this. You want to share this information. So there is a measure of, you wanting people to believe what you're saying because you're desiring, like you just said, you desire the world to be a certain way.
1: Um, no, actually, let me just jump in there because okay. there's a misunderstanding. Okay. I want people to learn and know what I know. Okay. I do. I do want people to learn the truth. Yes. Yes. But I don't want people to just believe something that I believe.
2: I think that's a good thing because we should always trust but verify, right? We should always verify. If it's the truth, it'll be the truth, and we'll know that. um, We can recognize the truth and still not agree with it, too, as well. Um, So I'm glad you clarified that because I, I think it's very important because we could also be mistaken in what we are saying as well. We could say it the wrong way. We could, we could, because sure. we're learning. You, you, you're, you're learning as you've been going through this. Like you just said earlier, this is a lifelong endeavor. This is a, we're, we're students for life, right? You know, we're all learning for life. Um, so I really agree with that. So my question would be for this: if somebody does not, in your opinion, if somebody does not grasp this and decide that this is the truth. What is the individual consequence, and what is the um, larger consequence for society? And and I, you may be getting into that last part of that. I think you will here in a minute, but I'm more interested on the individual consequence for that person. Is there one even? Yep.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm going to talk about that, but I, I okay. did want to take these things in order, so okay. I made a note of that. If that's go ahead. okay, no, go ahead. Because I'm trying um, to build up on top of each thing that I say <laughs> to make it clear. So I jump ahead
2: sometimes. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> no, that's okay. I'm not going to forget it because I wrote it down. Okay. Uh, so I think I tackled knowledge versus belief. I think I tackled the, you know, my personal motivation, which I obviously have a personal motivation. I'm not be, I'm not trying to mince words about that. Sure. Um, it's just it may be different than what people think it is. Yeah. So hopefully this will continue to become clear. The next point that I wanted to make with respect to intent intelligence versus emotion. Um, this is a false dichotomy because the intelligence already is holistic. I'll, I'm gonna explain what I mean by that. The word, it's right in the word intelligence. What is intelligence? It's, com- it's a combination of two Latin roots. Intelle, which comes from intellect, which everybody understands refers to what most people think of as left brain thinking. So logic, reason, rational thinking language, structured thinking, and, and serial or you know sequential thought. Mm-hmm. So intelligence is also intellect. However, it is also gents, which also comes from the Latin. It comes from genere, genesis or genere, which is creation or create to create. Um, and it refers to the cr- the generative force that is in creation itself, and we all have that, an aspect of that, and we relate to it through emotion, intuition, common sense, imagination, our sixth sense, our connection to spirit, our spiritual connection. So it's the right brain way of thinking, it's the emotional or feminine. So, intellect is often referred to in the cult as the masculine aspect of, of, of consciousness. And genesis or generic or the generative principle, refers to the feminine, which is much more related to emotion. So the, to answer your question concisely that you met, asked earlier, the best way to come to understand natural law is holistically through intelligence, which means both logic and reason, which can be applied in many cases, but also through intuition, no know, inner knowing, common sense, conscience, which literally means common sense, con science, knowing together, common sense. So it, it's it's obviously uh, well maybe it's not obvious, but to me it's obvious, but when you can bring together your holistic thinking, your left and right brain, and this is why it's so important to have both of them activated and in balance, then you have a real chance to understand natural law and a specifically objective morality because to understand morality deeply, you need to know it both logically but also intuitively, common sense. So that's just the answer, you know, I don't, you know, it's it's a logical fallacy to think only with your emotions. Yes. You cannot. It cannot be done. We agree on I, that. I wouldn't want somebody to think only with emotions, but it doesn't mean that they don't have a purpose in the process. They, well, of course, they have a purpose.
2: I agree with you. I don't think anybody could just purely. There is no thinking when it's just emotions. It's it's yeah. re, it's response, right? It's reaction, and yeah. and there is a, a thing, and I think it goes with your explanation of intelligence, which is very good, of emotional intellect, um, which which would be maybe your holistic point of view when it, when you're talking about intelligence. Um, and I do agree with that very much. So even more so have I began to really, uh, um, believe that because I know one of the things in the church is people sort of refrain from wanting to talk about intellect, reason, and logic because they're afraid that people will just become, um, they'll just hear the word and gain the knowledge of the word and not the truth from the word, which is what we say in, in, in our Christian circles that we want to bring mind and heart together, right? The heart is said to, uh, in scripture to deceive. It, it deceives always. Um, which, which is when people are making emotional decisions, like somebody says something to them, they take it the wrong way. They emotionally react and which yeah. may be by yelling or something like that. Right. Which could destroy a friendship. Okay. Rather than pausing for a second, taking that deep breath, thinking about what was said, processing it, and then responding with a more, um, with, with a more measured response. Right. Um, and, and so that's what I see a lot of, but I, when it comes to accepting truth, I know plenty of people that refuse truth because of a situation they've been through where they 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 have a certain belief and because of that belief, that belief goes directly against the truth. and and they know, okay, so that, that that's that's truth, that makes sense. but because I acknowledge it that I'm still going to reject it because I want to it, it, it sort of offends me, it hurts me i have to have a it really boils down to a behavior change um and so that's where that's where i believe that this can this can be a decision making process of when you're trying to share these truths right we're trying to share our truths from what we see in in god's word that the truth has been shared too much where whether it could be In our world, it could be a fantastical worship experience, lots of bright lights and smoke machines and, you know, concert music and all these other things to really tickle the hearts and minds of the kids with this dynamic preaching that's applicable, but there's really no substance to it, and it doesn't teach them anything, and it's not really any more of the truth than, you know— I like vanilla ice cream versus chocolate ice cream. Yeah, well, and to quote Bo, it's
0: like the goosebumps. So There's always went right. You, go, you don't go to, you don't go to just to learn about how to feel goosebumps. You, you go to learn. Right. <laughs> and and so, to learn knowledge.
2: Yeah. And so what happens is, is people will be tugged by that, but then a couple of weeks go by and they're not feeling anything anymore. Uh, and so there's not been anything that's really what we call sticky churches making them stick because there's something there. They're like, oh, I, this, this is some information that's really good knowledge and, it's, and it makes sense and it's reasonable. And, you know, yeah, it's pointing to my sin, but at the same time, I, I, apparently I need that because I'm starting to realize a few things just by my observations in the world. Now, that sounds very similar, I think, to this natural law pr- approach but what is that side of it that you're trying to make sure people aren't, um, they're going, you, and I think you'll have to share some more. Maybe this will be another, even bringing you on again to get deeper into to the natural law. There is an emotional side to this natural law because we see what happens when people, and what you were sharing, and I agree with this to some degree, what happens when people don't accept this truth, right? Chaos, um, immoral, uh, people, what you used as you know, you know, enslavement, right? So, how do we get people to say, "Oh, uh, I'm seeing that truth," and that, that logically and reasonably makes sense?
0: Yeah, well, and sure. Uh, one more thing, David. Uh, I I do want to say uh, I do commend you on t- letting people know not to not to take everything that you say uh, whole, like like to completely to heart and say well, that's just gospel automatic, right? Like you you want them to go. We tell the people on our, on our show all the time. To say you know go out and study for yourself learn for yourself research for yourself like i mean whether we're talking about any one of the the subjects that is in the show's title you you really have to learn and experience everything yourself because you know um, like if you're reading the if someone's reading the bible they they may they may hear us talk about it and they're like oh wait they actually did Quote the scripture correctly. They actually they go into uh, what they call concordance and cross reference and find out that what we were saying was actually uh, pretty spot on for 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 their study. Um, but someone who just you know takes what we say as gospel, I I, I it, that actually
1: yeah, no, goes I've against said, the
2: grain. I've said many things wrong, <laughs> and I I, I, yeah. I need to be called out on that.
1: But go ahead. Yeah. Sure. So I think at this point it's important that we ta- we dive in a bit and talk more specifically about objective morality. Okay. And this is, again, something that I think is going to surprise su- at least some people that mor- morality is objective. What I mean by that is there is an objective standard of right versus wrong that is built into creation that does not depend on people's opinion of it. Amen. Uh, and it is not, you know, it's and and to go back to your point, and This is going to start. The reason I want I want to dive in here is because this is going to help to start answer what you asked, Danny, at part about the consequences of of either rejecting or ignoring this right, information. Right. So now we're now we're going to start get into that because this is where the rubber hits the road, so to speak. Yes. So we live in a world which has gone out of its way to try to convince you, you who's watching this, all of us that morality is relative that we get to we could just make it up you know it's or it's whatever the most ruthless among us the ruling class decides is the flavor of morality of the day and this is all complete nonsense I would like to invite your readers or your viewers to realize that this is all nonsense and you can and and through the through a study of natural law you can come to understand this. so let me just give a quick overview for now and then I'll leave it you know obviously people will continue to dive into this but there's a very simple standard for morality, and I can explain it in three very simple principles that even a young child can grasp. Number one, you are responsible, 100% responsible for your own behaviors and for the consequences of any anything that you do in this physical reality. All the time, for the entirety of your life, from start to finish, and with no exceptions. You are 100% responsible. All you can do is either accept that responsibility or try to you know, delegate it off, try to claim that you are not responsible. Oh, I was just following orders. I was just doing my job, you know, all the excuses. But those are all just excuses. That's not actually the truth. The truth is that you are responsible for your behaviors. The the key here is to realize that and then to say, okay, I'm responsible. So I'm going to accept responsibility. That's the first step to being a moral human being. I'm going to accept responsibility. I'm not going to try to shirk it off. I'm not going to try to delegate it. I'm not going to try to say, oh, I was a victim of such and such a circumstance. I'm going to simply accept it and do the best that I can, knowing that as a human being, I'm not going to always get it right, but I'm going to do the best that I
0: can. So That's it sounds like a uh, merit-based yeah. accountability,
1: right? It could be. I, I haven't heard that term before, but yeah, I mean, we are inherently responsible. All we can ever do is either accept that responsibility or claim to reject it we can never actually truly reject it.
0: Like a, yeah, like a self-accountability self and, and then, you know, you, you're either. It's a truth. Yeah. Yeah. It's
2: a truth. So you you can say you can reject it, but it's a truth. You are still responsible. Yeah, you're,
0: yes. still, you're still yeah, accountable. Because you're the yes. one who's acting. If,
1: right. We can understand this logically and intuitively. Yes, we all logically, have choices. You're the one that's taking the action. Right. There's no way anybody else could. You're the one that made the choice. Even if somebody else, you know, influenced you, you did it. Right. You did it. Yeah. So you're responsible. Even if it was an order, even with an, yeah.
2: given an order, you can defy those orders.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You're, you ultimately are accepting. So that's, that's the first of three pillars. The number three is very important. Obviously, even in Christianity, it's a very important number, but in the occult, it's extremely important. So there's often we'll see three things. So the first thing, of first aspect of morality is self responsibility, accepting self responsibility. Step number two, or the second principle of morality, don't cause harm. Don't steal that which doesn't belong to you. Don't, don't initiate aggression and don't tolerate or approve of of aggression by not standing up to it when others commit it. So don't steal the life, rights or property of others. In the occult we have what's called the seven true deadly sins of natural law and they are of course murder, assault, rape, trespassing, theft of physical property, coercion and deception or willful lying. They're all forms of theft because they're all forms of taking that which does not rightfully belong to you uh, and therefore they are causing harm wrongfully to some other being. So this is the second aspect of morality. Don't, you know, to the best of your ability, don't cause harm. Don't steal that which doesn't belong to you. Sounds pretty similar so,
0: to the uh, the Ten Commandments in, in a way.
1: <laughs> sure, it, it could be. Uh, again, these are there's just different ways of describing it because there's seven we call them the seven transgressions of natural law, but it's really all one thing, it's theft. Theft of that which does not belong to you. It's just, in order to understand why it's only one thing, it's, you know, maybe I should take one step back and say it's all theft of property. Because when you understand what property is, and I'm happy to give a definition, uh, your life is your property. Your mind is your property while you're alive. You know, even though you lose your body, it's your property while you're alive. Right, your, your will, your free will to choose your actions is your property, your rights are your property. Your physical possessions that you acquired rightfully are your property. So uh, all of these transgressions are forms of theft. So the second aspect of being a moral person is you don't steal that which doesn't belong to you. It's really, really that simple. And you'll never hear that taught in most of mainstream culture. They go out of the way to distract people and dissuade them from understanding that very, very simple truth. And I haven't even given you the third aspect yet. Um, So the third aspect is you have a natural right, and I would say a moral obligation, to defend yourself against the wrongful acts of others. So if someone else comes along and tries to steal your life, tries to murder you, assault, uh, steal something that belongs to you, or whatever they're trying to do, even even coerce you to act in a way that you don't want to when you're not harming anyone, uh, then you have a natural right to defend yourself through any means necessary, including and up to deadly force. And this is where the forefathers of our country obviously recognized the right to bear arms, which is a natural right. It doesn't have to be codified in any constitution. It's a natural right. You have a right to defend yourself and you should defend yourself because if you don't, you' you're, you're basically allowing evil to be committed and you're likely to allow it to be committed against other people too, by not standing up against wrongdoing. So those are just to recap the three aspects of objective morality.'re response you know you're responsible for all of your actions and their consequences, no matter what they are. You don't harm other people, you don't steal their property, you don't take that which doesn't belong to you. You only engage in voluntary interactions, only voluntary. You never try to coerce people or you never approve of coercion by others. And then the third one is if anybody tries to harm you or those you love, you defend yourself and your rights and your property through any means necessary, and if you have to use deadly force, that wasn't violence. That was just you defending yourself as is your natural right to do so.
2: So this was where I sort of had a rub, and I didn't. I didn't get. The, this is where I struggle. Objective morality. You and I both agree that this exists. For what reason we agree? I don't think that that's where we we come um, we come to that consensus. And this is where I struggle with natural law, because I, when I had asked earlier about your the creator of all of this, we started to go into those seven points, but uh, it was more of this started talking about mentalism, things like that. And maybe this will be where you can clarify that even more. So again, a, a, a being that we believe in, the spiritual being is also an all good being as well. We in, in what we believe in what the Bible tells us, we get objective morality from God. He's a moral lawgiver. He is the objective moral lawgiver. That's where all goodness and truth comes from. So, why, for for whatever reason with natural law, why would a person be compelled or even need or, or where would they get the compulsion to agree that objective morality exists with natural law? And And to say that it's a, a a symptom or a, and I think you even used an aggregate of natural law, then then my next question would be, well, then where does natural law come from to get this ability to have a objective morality? Otherwise, what standard or what measuring stick do we have as far as morality goes?
1: Well, basically, the force of natural law, which is uh, a force of creation, it's not a man-made force, is that which creates our rights and enforces objective morality. So to answer their question concisely, if you want to claim that morality is relative and that you can get away with things, I don't mean you specifically, I mean a person. If a person right. wants to make that claim, what I would say to them is good luck with that. See what outcomes you create because natural law is going to create outcomes. And it's not going to create outcomes just in someone's own personal life. It's going to create it for all of us. So another way of saying that is we're, we're creating this reality together. We're co-creating it together. So the aggregate function of what we get is the aggregate of how moral we all act. And again, this is why the dark ones, I'm not sure what you guys refer to them as, but the, the I, I call them dark occultists, I call them the sorcerers of ancient psychology, I, used, I call them the predator class, the ones who run the world, and they absolutely do run the world, the institutions of the world. Um, this is why they don't want people to understand morality, because the more they can sow confusion about the, the true nature between right and wrong, The more they can get people to act out of harmony with it and you can see the world that we're getting a world of institutionalized violence i can name any any mainstream institution i can show you how it's built on immorality and violence and and it has to be believed in to sustain itself people have to believe that that's somehow good uh, but we can see objectively that we live in a in a world that's of institutionalized violence so the answer is natural law is giving It it demonstrates itself by giving us the outcomes based on what we choose. So, if we were to choose to act morally most of the time, again, nobody's perfect. Nobody's going to get it right all of the time. I'm not suggesting that. I'm not suggesting that we're suddenly perfect. You know what might be called angelic beings that are always going to be moral 100% of the time. No, but we're going to do the best we can. The point, you know, one of the lessons that we're here to learn is how to how to align with the laws of creation, how to to be moral and what we can create as a a result of that. So the answer is, you know, I don't have to prove anything because natural law is already operating. It's operating right now as we're speaking and it's giving us the world that we're creating together. And until and unless we start to, you know, more people start to consciously take the knowledge of objective morality inside themselves from a very young age. And then just consciously choose. Okay, I'm not going to steal that doesn't belong to me. I'm going to do the. I'm going to respect other people's property. So I'm going to defend myself. Then we're going to see the whole reality is going to start to shift, and actually it could change very quickly.
2: So with with um, and we we're running. We're about to have to come into the next segment, but I want to say this, and I'm going to ask one last question, and then if you could give me a short response. And again, I think we're hoping to have you on the show again too to continue to go on this because there is a lot here. So. I think where it comes down to is what compulsion, what reason does a person have to believe in objective morality or even natural law, which I do believe that most people see it as inherent and then it's subjective. Yes, I agree with that. But for the reason why, when you're talking about a force that made this natural law, is that force good or bad or is it neutral? And if it's neutral, what obligation? And that goes to your last point, because I do have questions about point one and two of objective morality. Point one, basically, for me... Um we won't know we're responsible for our own behaviors till we're shown that. That's what we're shown biblically, until we're revealed into us that, oh, we're sinful. Like we have a sinful nature. And I agree with you, people are or are, are are moral we're immoral cuz our nature is, is to sin but we don't know that until that's revealed well, to us i don't agree with us. that. i
1: want not... to go on record to saying that i that's not what i was trying to say at all i don't i don't think that we are by nature immoral
2: well you did say i did and that was that was something for another time cuz i was confused yeah. by that cuz you i want i
1: want you know i want to jump in there because i never want to tacitly agree to something you know so i want to just make a very emphatic statement that humans are not immoral by nature we can become immoral when we're when we're taught to be confused about morality and that's what indeed what is happening in this world
2: okay so we believe that we're in more in words inherently sinful okay um all right so so there's that responsibility that's number one number two cause harm and we will not we will not be compelled to cause harm unless number three we feel morally obligated to someone other than ourselves and other people we should be morally obligated to god Because he is that moral standard, because that's where we derive our objective morality. So this force, because for us it's all about this origin. Again, the source of truth, whether you're you're deriving that through natural law or you're deriving it from God. Either way, there's got to be a moral. um, There's got to be a moral a subject there that is that standard for good or evil, right? So if it was an evil creator, we would see a certain world and universe. If it's a good creator, we'll see a certain world in universe. But if it's a neutral creator, then there's, what is the obligation towards morality? And I think that's where we'll have to uh, just, if you can answer that briefly and then we're going to go on to the next segment, but I would appreciate that.
1: Sure. Morality. It's already inherent in us. Like basically we're in the process of rediscovering who we really are. So part of the work of becoming a student of natural law and the occult is you are rediscovering, that's why I said way earlier in this conversation that the greatest part of this work is to know thyself, because all these answers already exist within us. We are not separate from creation. We are inherent to creation. We are a part of creation. So even a young child has somewhere inside themselves that connection to spirit and they also have that inner knowing the difference between right and wrong. They can feel Feelings like shame and regret if they do something wrong. I mean, it's all built into, it's literally built into us. So we already have that. So the process of being moral is the desire to be free, which is our, which is part of our birthright, and it's part of our aspirations as we come to this world. Um, so the world is designed to distract us and dissuade us uh, for a reason, because we're here to learn this lesson. This is one of the most important lessons that we come to this world to learn is is to is how to align with these principles. So there's nothing to believe here. You simply rediscover, you simply discovering them or rediscovering them, depending on where you are in your spiritual journey. You're simply discovering the truth yeah. of and what of reality. And then you're remembering that we're all connected. And, you know, why would you, and you're, you're realizing the deep truth that when you, when someone else is suffering, this is probably the main point. When others suffer, I suffer. And that's how I feel every single day. And that's, a big part of why I do what I do. When other people suffer, I'm suffering. And right. it's, we're here to learn that lesson. Yeah. So it's not a matter of, of the creator being good or evil. It's simply, you know, this is the lesson that we're here. One of the lessons that we're here in this lifetime to learn is, is, is to master these principles of natural law of which morality is one of them.
2: Okay. I'm going to have to cut you off there, but I, I, I want, this is my last thought. And then we're going to move on. Um, the, the thing is, is, Truth has a source, morality has a source. If it's if it's the discovery that we're gaining out of this, if we're s- discovering this, then it was already built in. Like you just said, you said it was built and created in. Who put it there? If a neutral force put it there, how? I don't did know. It, that's what I'm saying. I, don't, that, 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 I think I that's don't the know. that's the reasonable that intellectual it, part that people struggle with is if the source is neutral and there's no reason for it to be good or bad then how would it create a good or bad being it's like it's like saying that you know the idea it nothing did, creates create good or bad something
1: being. we we become good or bad through the course of the actions that we choose in our lifetime and that's why parenting is so important because parents can help you know, obviously any being can become either pure good, pure evil or somewhere in that continuum. We yeah. all have that capability of falling somewhere on that spectrum.
2: Right. We're going to have to flesh we're going to have to flesh yeah, this out know, more, David. Yeah, <laughs> I pushed it too long. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not gonna it's gonna not to, that we're it's not inherent it.
1: that we we have to be either good or evil. It's a lesson to learn in this lifetime. I right. definitely
2: want to bring you on my show and we'll talk about yeah. this more cuz we can go forever on my show if we want to. So <laughs> Um, yeah, but let's, um, let's move on. Yeah, we have Sorry, buddy. In. I appreciate that though. I really do appreciate your comments, man. And I really would love to to stretch this out, but Dave, uh, Josh is going to kill me if I keep going. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Uh, I, had, I hadn't smacked him yet, but no, uh. <laughs> he just kept looking at me. I yeah, felt his eyes like, come on now. Me. Um, no, I, just, uh, I was going to say that, uh, you know, going on the freedom aspect of everything's like, like, thank God that we were born in this country in the United States of America, uh, where we do have, access to freedoms and a bill of rights that at least acknowledges those, those rights, those, those big, R God-given rights. Um, uh, the, and then, and it also, you know, is in our, you know, it's in our constitution, uh, that every man's created equal. So I, I really, really think that that goes hand in hand with, 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 uh, the value systems that we do share, uh, between us and you, David. Um, but uh, going over to the the politics portion because we did fill up our first hour yeah in our conversation it was, it was great it was yes. really good thank uh, thank you for, for for sticking in there with us David um so yeah the, our first um our first article of the night
1: I'm glad you guys got value <laughs> from it
2: absolutely it was, it, it, I, I'm looking forward to more <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and uh, so our first article of the night comes from the Washington Examiner am I still coming through pretty good is it, uh, maybe it's just my headphones I think my headphones are just
2: I hear you wonky. Just great.
0: okay. Um, yeah, so the first, first article of the night comes from Washington Examiner. It's actually, uh, and, and actually, uh, I, I wish I would have gotten a little more updated article because um, it actually already happened, what this article talks about. So um, the headline reads, Trump denies reports claiming DOJ, uh, the Department of Justice, told him of imminent indictment. So they, actually, the indictments already now happened. Um, but former President Donald Trump denied reports that the Department of Justice informed him that he would likely be indicted next uh, next week, which is this week. Now, so uh, classified uh, in the classified documents investigation, the former president denied the report on True Social, slamming the witch hunt, and claiming he is innocent. Um, he said, uh, "Well, I'm going to use my Trump voice, uh, so I don't know if you're uh, ready for that, David." But he uh, <laughs> yes. says, "No one has told me uh, I'm being ignited, indicted, and I shouldn't." B, because I've done nothing wrong, okay? But I've assumed for years that I am a target of the weaponized DOJ and FBI. They're starting with the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, okay? The the, the no collusion Mueller report, impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two, the perfect Ukraine phone call. It was very perfect, okay? And uh, various other scams and witch hunts, a travesty of justice and election interference at a level we've never seen before. Frankly, Republicans in Congress must make their number one issue. Okay, <laughs> it's 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 a marathon to to. to I don't like know how he has the energy get to, to breathe be him. And, uh, yeah, breathe. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Like he, he has this like emphatic like when he. Mm. It's uh, my wife always makes fun of that when I'm doing his impression. But like when you watch him talk, that's he, your face
2: does turn red. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, that, I think that's. Like his orange, I think a little bit of it. I think a little, of of a little, a little bit natural. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he said earlier on, uh, earlier on Wednesday, Trump uh, told New York Times journalist uh, Maggie H- Haberman that uh, report um, that a report from uh, Trump ally John Solomon in, New- in just the news claiming the prosecutors informed him of a likely indictment that was not true. Um, she said that uh, Trump tells me. Um, uh, minutes ago, he has not been told he is uh, getting indicted uh, when contacted. And she said, it's not true. It's, it's not true. He said, adding uh, again, he hasn't done anything wrong. Haberman tweeted um, before he, re, uh, before he responded to the re- reports directly, Trump quoted one line from Solomon's report, suggesting experts um, were uh, siding with his uh, contention that he had uh, broad authority to declassify documents. Um, an American Bar Association report in 2022 seemed to agree with Trump's assertion that uh, guidelines support his uh, contention that presidents uh, have broad authority to formally declassify, which they do. Um, it's very clear in the law. Um, Solomon cited an unnamed source familiar with special counsel Jack Smith's classified documents investigation and said an indictment could be delivered as soon as this week, which it, which it, which it was um, uh, as, of, as of last evening. Uh, Recent reports have said Smith's investigation is nearing uh, its end. And uh, that, uh, that, that is a decision that will be delivered soon, which again, it was, uh, they said that there's no timetable given, but that timetable moved up real quick. Um, now the question I have is, um, do you think that these are going to, uh, this, this, and this now second indictment of the year, we should say, um, is going to lower Donald Trump's chances of being the Republican nominee, or do we think that it's going to bolster his numbers? It's only going to just make
1: him more popular.
2: David, you're the guest. We'll let you answer first if you choose.
1: <laughs> okay, I gave you guys a fair warning. I mean, I think if people have been paying attention to what I've been saying, they'll they'll probably know, you know, this won't surprise them, my comments. Um, I will say that I used to follow politics a lot. I'll just say that briefly so I I get it. Um, But for me, when I look at all of these characters, all of them, to me it's a lot of theater and it's a lot of distraction. And it's really distraction from learning the things that we've been, you know, among things that we've been talking about today, which are principles and they're actually much more important, you know, in terms of creating real freedom in the world. Mm -hmm. So I don't pay a lot of attention. Uh, As far as Trump specifically, you know, his behavior with relation to... Uh, the whole rollout of vaccines with respect to you know the pandemic pretty much says you know what you know where he stands on objective morality and and uh, he he's kind of made it clear you know whose side he's on so to speak uh, he's to me they're all puppets so I don't really pay attention and this is a a lot of distraction and I would rather I would rather encourage people to you know take some time to go. Read the Kabbalion and and discover these things, and you know, spend some work on themselves. Learn learn more about how their own mind works. You know, rediscover their internal sovereignty. Um, learn about you know, go within, you know, because and stop being distracted by all the bright lights and flashy colors, and and you know, um, this, we could have an endless conversation about how we could just throw all of man's law into the trash can uh, very handily but maybe we'll save that for next time. So I hope, I don't know if that was incendiary, incendiary enough for your audience, but I, I'm, I'll leave it at that for
0: now. <laughs> well, I know it was unintentional, but that was a very political answer to my question.
2: <laughs> I, I And I think that there's a lot of truth to that, especially in, in in if we talked about what you're currently doing right now, traveling and everything. So you're not that you're not, you, you could just pick up a, your phone and look at news that quickly. But when you're traveling and you're out of the country and stuff, you, you tend to, it's a. It's actually sort of a blessing because it's a getting away from all of that in in one sense because you're not around people. Uh, I'm I'm assuming the people where you're at are not talking about this stuff in 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 large. This is just not their. This not on their yeah, list of priorities. Really. Um, yeah, here,
1: politics rarely comes up. It does come up in right. the conversation sometimes.
2: Um, here in the United States, however, that is not the case. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 as far as this goes, right here, um, it will bolster with his base hundred percent. Okay. I know it bolstered with me. I I was
0: always like, ah, I'm behind him more. (laughs) I am.
2: I am not on the Trump train this year and I, and I don't want to be, uh, because I think his, his time has passed and I think it was important. And I think it was actually a symptom of where our country is at, uh, to, to have a character like him make it into the office. But, uh, he has been an important face for the Republican party in, in terms of a lot of things. But you, I am starting to see, where a lot of things are starting to break down for him because of his personality, which is unfortunate. I think there's a lot of policies there that he has, uh, he has definitely brought more to the conservative front than what you would expect. First of all, from Donald Trump and his, his history, second of all uh, from Donald Trump period and just who he is. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm not happy that it's going to bolster it to some degree because that means he has a greater chance of winning the primary. But I don't think he has a very good chance of winning the general election, and here's why: uh, everybody he backed in the uh, recent le- election, none of them, none of them made it in. They all lost their election bid. Um, they actually, a lot of them, even they beat out their primary, but they didn't win in the general election. And well, uh,
0: no, it was 18 percent actually won there. So he did, he did it. Yeah. It was
2: extremely low. Yeah, right? and, and, Extremely and, and, and low and for was, a person that's supposed to be the face of the Republican Party.
0: Yeah, it was. It wasn't indicative um, of his past uh, was, uh, endorsements. That that almost everybody it was right. like 98, uh, 99, the, or even one hundred one
2: <laughs> were adamant against him, and they ended up winning there, like um, in in Georgia. But to say that you know there there's there's a lot there with him, and I think people are sort of uh, worn down with that. And I believe our best shots, DeSantis, to win the general election. But whether or not he gets through the primary, I don't know. I think that yeah. when they start to go face to face, DeSantis is going to destroy Trump, and Trump's going to go to his insults. And I think people are honestly—he—he he, even though he's been off Twitter, I think they're tired of it. I think they're tired, especially with DeSantis doing as awesome as he is, and he's attacking. He attacked Kaylee McEnany the other day. He—he's atta- attacking everybody that supported him, and it's like just stop talking about January 6th, start moving on, start talking about substantial policy. It's like, he's doubling down on the insults rather than talking about true policy. He's playing a blame game. And I think a lot of people, including myself, are getting tired of it, but this definitely is bolstering him. Yeah. And, um,
0: and I can tell you why from, from my perspective, not I, I, I'm still on the Trump train and I'll tell you what it's. Uh, and the reason being is because, um well, I I, I, I like I liked a lot of his policies and I didn't like him 100%. I mean, if you like, of any politician's policies, you're probably crazy. Um, But I did, I did, uh, I did like a lot of his policies. I definitely liked $1.89 gas. Um, Mm. But the fact that they're coming after him so hard and it's, and it's, and it's on both sides and and we're going to get to another controversial gentleman uh, at our
2: third article. But um, I think it's more revealing of the Democrat party in the left than it is of Donald Trump. That's what. That's what I, that's what I think. They're just, revealing themselves more and more and more because of their obsession. They come with out him. so
0: hard against yeah. him, but you're also finding yeah. these donor class type, uh, old school, what we call rhinos, are or, or Republicans yeah. in name only. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, David. Um, where they're they're so entrenched in the swamp, mm-hmm. the political swamp, that they can't see. Like they don't know their butt from the hole in the ground and, and, they, and they're just, uh, they're going against Trump because some donor class, uh, corporation told them you should be against him. Uh, even though he's poll after poll, just coming out smelling like roses, there was actually another poll this week and, um, I don't have exact numbers, but, um, East. Still currently pulling out ahead against DeSantis. Now it's yeah. it's a long road. Yeah. Uh, till, we haven't even gotten so, to debates yet. Yeah, we that's we gonna got be debates. A, that's going to be huge, and that that's going to be the deciding factor for a lot of people. But as of current, I, I, I would say I'm still on the Trump train, especially because they're coming after him so hard, especially with like all this nonsense stuff. It's just yeah. um, the fact that he they they came after him about a sexual harassment thing that like that never happened. Yeah. They don't have any proof, zero, none. Uh, but he was still order to pay an astronomical amount of money yeah. than this indictment where um, he had documents at his house, but th- there are other people uh, in the political system that were uh, including the current president who went during his vice presidency, who definitely didn't have oh. um, clearance to take those documents to his home uh, and his and into his office and into his garage and also to an office next in to his Chinatown. Corvette, next to his Corvette. Yeah, right next to his Corvette, and he's like, "Well, it was locked up." I Was like, "Well, so was Trump's, yeah. and it was under it lock was and next key." Next to my Corvette, and and Corvette was in there too. <laughs> yeah, he said
2: that three times when he was asked about it by uh, Fox and News Ducey. So it doesn't quite. Yeah. You know. Well, that's the thing. It's like um, we're seeing the double standard, David. T- to your point, and I agree with this. That those those higher ups, man, there is a uh, a cadre of elites that are corrupt um that have a, an evil agenda and uh, i'm not going to say all i don't like to make extreme generalizations in that regard but i think there's a lot and i think we're seeing that play out right in front of us right now of this double standard and not to say trump is an angel by any means oh definitely not um, but <laughs> it's playing out right in front of us showing that there's this stuff that's going on with biden and hunter biden and and Burisma and all this stuff that's coming out and the FBI is hiding the, they're not wanting anybody to have the document, but they're just now allowed them to see it because they didn't want to be in contempt of court. Like there's all this stuff that's been out there with Hillary Clinton. And she ended up not getting indicted because her intentions weren't there, but it was admitted she probably broke some laws and there were probably some foreign eyeballs that were looking at the stuff that was on her server that she ended up bleaching, bleaching and taking uh, hammers too and hammers and all that stuff. And then with Biden and then even, even with Mike Pence, like I say, like if they're going to indict the president on the uh, Trump on this, they have to indict Pence, Biden and Clinton. And you know, anybody that's still alive as a past president, probably likely even Obama and Bush, because they
0: they probably did the same thing. Um, and then and it's funny. You should mention, mention Mike Pence because he's in our second article of the night oh, <laughs> and gosh. we're go- mostly going with presidential candidates. This is the theme of the articles tonight. So Washington examiner says, uh, Pence goes big on split with Trump in 2024 announcement. Um, former vice president, Mike Pence heavily criticized, uh, his one-time boss, uh, former president Donald Trump in rough in a roughly 40 minute presidential campaign launch speech. Uh, that's, that's a little better than what happened with DeSantis. Unfortunately, it kept crashing on him. Um, that, that was poorly handled on, on Wednesday in Des Moines, <laughs> Iowa that sets up a historic showdown between the former uh, uh, running mates. So it, yeah, I think, I think it is going to be interesting. Maybe another fly. First on time this in kid. history. First time
2: in history. <laughs> it's so hilarious.
0: Um, once a loyal foot soldier for Trump. I like, I like that terminology that they used. It's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, Pence unequivocally slammed Trump for his actions uh, regarding the January 6th Capitol riot, his, his wavering uh, conservatism and his, uh, dithering on uh, anti-abortion concerns. Um, Pence and Trump, uh, uh, Pence and Trump split over uh, Trump per, uh, pressuring Pence not to certify the results of the 2020 presidential election. But Pence reiterated on Wednesday that he couldn't abandon his duties as the then president of the Senate. It, to, to, to just to clarify from the, the, what the article doesn't actually talk about um, is that he, he, he wouldn't be stepping away from those duties. All, all Trump was asking is that he pass these results back down to the States and, mm-hmm. and not um, certify results that could have come through very unclearly um, because there was potential tampering and there was a lot of video, like they can't even deny it anymore. There was a lot of video of people putting big poster boards over windows um, um uh, re- re- Republican uh, viewers of, of, vote counts had to stay at least 10 feet away from the table, or they were just kicked out completely. That's on video. Um, in Georgia. Water they, pipe bust. Yeah. They said the, the water pipe bust, but uh, then a uh, uh, couple hours later they were pulling out these um, boxes or suitcases, whatever they were, mm-hmm. and trying to say that they weren't filled with uh, ballots, but they were stuffing them into the ballot machines. And so like, you're on film doing these things but you're saying that you didn't do these things dude i saw you it's like a little kid getting caught and going i didn't do that i watched you do it yep. now get over here when <laughs> you deserve a spanking um but that's a whole other topic for another day yeah. so um the former vice president uh vowed it was his duty to ensure the peaceful transfer of power to uh, president joe biden whom he spent considerable time um harang- uh, haranguing in his campaign speech um, he said, I had no, uh, no right to overturn the election, uh, which which actually he, he wouldn't been overturning. He's just sending it back down for reconsideration. Um, and, uh, and vice president Kamala Harris will have no right to overturn our election, which he, it's not overturning <laughs> when, uh, when we beat them in, in 2024, he's assuming that he's going to win. That's uh, funny. Uh, Pence added to a roaring crowd. Uh, Pence said he had hoped that uh, Trump would, uh, Come around and see that he had been uh, misled about uh, about about his role, Uh, but that was not to be. Um,
2: Pence is about seventy years too late.
0: Yeah, I, I think he's got. I think
2: that's just he's just it's not where yeah it's not where we're at as a country. They. He's just he's just too clean, too cut, I, and I hate to say that, but he's great. A lot of evangelical Christians are going to love him, but he just doesn't have the he doesn't have the fight in him that yeah. either DeSantis or Trump or maybe one other would have, like Ted Cruz. You know, he just doesn't have the fight in him. He,
0: he doesn't handle the media like no. they do. He, just,
2: mm-hmm. he, he doesn't push back. He's too worried about hurting people's feelings, and yes. that's just not politics these he's, days.
0: I would say he's just as weak as the current administration. Yep. I mean, if it I. Yeah, that's probably how far I... What do you think, David?
1: Well, I think Mike Pence is a, you know, articulate and well-spoken guy. Um, If he were to come out and say, you know what, folks, I want to encourage teaching natural law. I want to encourage all the schools (laughs) to start teaching a curriculum that includes objective morality and, you know, the objective difference between right and wrong... Um, I wouldn't vote for him because voting is an external, externalization of power and that's illusory, but I would certainly give him consideration and right. I would, you know, encourage and support that. And I think he could be a force should he choose to do that. I mean, I'm saying this a little tongue in cheek because I, <laughs> yeah, that's not we that. <laughs> but if, if, if he were to do that, I would, you know, I would be pleasantly surprised and I would basically say, well, that's something that we should pay attention to. And I think that that has a real chance of being a force, and and you know, it may, in that case, it probably would be a wise move for him to separate himself from, uh, from his former, from Donald Trump, from his former running mate, because uh, you know, he would be taking a divergent path. So, I don't know if that will happen, but if it does, I would certainly be willing to give him a lot, you know, more of my attention. Let's say.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I wish he would make sure we had objective morality taught in our schools. I'm 100 percent on that, but yeah, I know he has he doesn't have a, a a snowball's chance in you know what. <laughs> he just doesn't. He does not. I'm he, sorry. He does not. He just does not. I'm not even thinking about him to be honest yeah. with you. I like him. I do. I like Mike Pence. I think he's a nice guy. He's a he's a moral guy. He's a Christian. He's 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 he sticks to his his Christian values. I, I love that about him. Um, but it's just not going to govern our country well in that regard. To fight what we're, you know, the, this postmodernism and this relative truth, you know, like we can redefine things however we want. I just can't get away from how just he's not going to stand up to that. I just can't get away from how weak he, he shows himself to be.
0: He just he's just not. Well, he's
2: just you he just got to have a stronger. He's just got to put. I mean, it's 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 one thing to say I'm going to speak the truth, and that's fine. We all we all need to speak the truth. Certainly. But sometimes you got to speak it with a little bit more uh, Rambo in you. you know yeah, I mean? like you just got to put it down. Like you're just, you just, that's just dumb. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I mean, you just got to stop saying those things. And, yeah. and he's he just, just a little
0: too squeaky clean too. He's like, he just comes out there. We've got to come together in this country. Oh yeah, no duh.
2: Yeah, uh, like yeah.
0: it's. I don't know. It's just. It's very like. I want to say like milk toast
2: <laughs> sort of. It's very establishment to some. Yeah. Way. Very. It yeah. Reminds I, me of it's uh, also what draws me away. He's a cleaner guy a version of Mitt Romney in his, he was, know,
0: he was great as a governor in, for in Indiana. The, uh, I, yeah. I really enjoyed him having him as our governor. And, and I, and I liked the fact that he pretty much just took everything that, that Mitch Daniels was doing the, the good stuff that Mitch Daniels was doing. And then, and just kept doing that. So and kept moving those things forward. I wasn't here um, for that. Um, but, yeah, he, uh, I actually I actually got to meet uh, Mike back when he was governor. Um, and that's a story for another time because we're uh, down to our last article of the night, and it comes from Hot Air. So Hot Air, uh, hot air I don't know if you've ever, ever read an article from them or not, uh, David, before, but uh, it, they're, they're mostly opinion pieces. So um, th- this is coming from Hot Air, uh, written by David Strom. Um, YouTube scrubbing RFK video from their site. Instagram bans before he posts anything. Um, RFK jr. Is, uh, scaring the establishment just like, I think him and Trump are the same in that way. Mm-hmm. And they are fighting back against him in the best way they know how by shutting him up. RFK jr. Has always struck me as, uh, uh something of a kooky oddball. And while he is fighting, <laughs> <laughs> this is, that's why I said this is an opinion piece. um, Uh, While he is fighting on our side from the left, I still think he is uh, something of a kooky oddball who happens to uh, be saying some things that make sense. A fraction of Democrats uh, like kooky oddballs, as do a fraction of Republicans, I admit. So RFK Jr. has struck a chord with Democrats who think Joe Biden is failing as a biological uh, being and as a president. Um, You have to hand it to him. He has struck a chord as a son uh, and nephew of two, the two most famous, uh, two of the most famous American politicians. He has the capacity to reach millions with his messaging, and he ha- uh, and he has used that to his advantage. He currently sits at about twenty percent in the Democrat polls for president, which I think that those numbers are probably still coming out pretty low, um, which is impressive as his opponent is the incumbent. Um, make sure that I'm getting the right part of the article here because I know that at some point he starts talking about um, what happened to him. Um, Okay. I'm just finding my place. Give me a second. (laughs) Um, A few years back, I would have immediately dismissed the accusation against the CIA as crazy nonsense. Now Uh, I have seen enough conspiracies to believe it is possibly true. I don't believe it is true, but Uh, I I don't dismiss it out of hand. We have seen the CIA do some shady stuff uh, domestically in recent years, and in the 1960s, it was definitely out of control. Regardless of its uh, plausibility, the theory uh, that JFK or RFK Jr. uh, was or were assassinated by the CIA is clearly within bounds as a uh, point of discussion. There is no call to violence in this interview, and the man clearly isn't calling for violence or an insurrection, he is just telling us what he thinks happened. Um, so it's really hard to actually still find this video. Um, I know it was been reposted to Twitter several times. And as a matter of fact, it's already been scrubbed from this article because it, it was on Twitter. And um, I think I'm, I may still have it. So if, if you're out there and you're listening to my voice right now and you want that um, that video uh, I can uh, just get me your email through uh, through Facebook um, and I will send that, uh, information to you. I'll Send that video to you, video clip to you. Uh, I think it's the only way I'll be able, I'll be able to share it cause they're going to scrub it from everywhere. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, he, in the interview, he, he talks about, um, those assassinations being orchestrated by the CIA. And I, 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 I personally believe it's very plausible as well. Um, that our own CIA is <laughs> that uh, they've been proven to be very nefarious. Um,
2: David do you think the CIA is nefarious?
1: Well sure, I mean they they it's a completely immoral institution. I mean their 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 whole premise is you know we get to inflict violence on whoever we desire because they're a target because somebody because our you know the guys in charge told us to. So they run covert operations. I mean clearly it's a the only intelligence that they're serving is is the establishment it's not for the benefit of of anyone other than their masters you know yeah um, and i think people who work in that uh in that institution know that to mm-hmm. some degree or another even though there's some compartmentalization uh people know that it's just they choose to put their blinders on as it goes back to that idea i'm i'm going to deny that i'm responsible cuz someone's telling me what to do yeah basically yeah
0: and um what, what do you guys think about um, them scrubbing our, uh, RFK, uh, RFK's uh, video? Hey, just, I mean, like I've, just making I, him
2: disappear. Essentially. I think taking anybody's stuff off of anything is, is stupid unless you're advocating, you know, literally to either doxing, which I completely am against Absolutely. or um, that you're threatening the life of somebody else. Like literally like you're calling people out to do it, which there are videos out there on YouTube right now that you can look up that, People are doing it, but they're of a certain, you know, demographic or ideology that is acceptable because those people, those CEOs of those social media sites and streaming sites, are okay with that. So it's it's completely hypocritical. It's um, you know, as much as we've got uh, a cabal in the uh, government, we also have you know these these people and CEOs of corporations, especially social social, social media, that are. Uh, if you want to know where the true election influence in, in in messing around with went it was social media that's where the actual um stealing of an election if you want to still claim that came from it wasn't it wasn't at the ballot box it was in social media because the ballot box is a is, was a result of people getting their news from social media And a lot of things particularly the Hunter Biden that's issue what I was getting ready to come to. did not get put out there it was actually blocked you know so so when people are getting most of their news media from social media, and then they're only getting one side of it, and that's how a lot of people, unfortunately, vote in our country, um, go to the ballot box with that in their heads. Then that's why, you know, and and it's just it's just ridiculous. But this whole thing with the CIA, I agree with you, David. I, I I've worked in the government before. I've worked in government law enforcement. I've seen it myself. Um, I think that there there's definitely. Um, there's, it depends on who's in who's in in control, and those people in control put other people in control in the various agencies to run those agencies a very specific way. And uh, happened in, in law enforcement agency I was in, that was a federal law enforcement agency, and it, it's which I'll just say it is Border Patrol. Um, and I know it's happened in other ones, ATF. It happened in FBI. I mean, it's just it's it's rife throughout, you know, all the government, and people don't they want to put their heads in the ground about. Oh, it's a conspiracy theory. No, it's not. <laughs> I mean, there are there's corruption. There's corruption. A lot of corruption at high levels, um, throughout, and uh, not just you know a one-off you know agent yeah. or officer. So, uh, this guy RFK, in my opinion, is the is the Democrats' best chance to. Yeah. You know, and, and when I say Democrats, I'm talking about the people that aren't the talking heads. I'm not talking about the Pelosi's. I'm not talking about the shifts. I'm not talking about, you know, um, those people that are, have been controlling the Democrat party for the, the last half century. I'm talking about for the voters, the, 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 large majority of Democrats that are sick of the left running everything. This is their best chance. He's the, their the, best chance the real uh, blue. I don't dog, agree with a lot of stuff, but yeah. he's their best chance.
0: The real blue dog Democrats that still love this country and, and are, and, and would still, you know. Um, still have a lot of yeah. those value systems that are very uh, similar to, to our own. Yeah,
2: um, I would I would say one thing I don't like is just another family of power getting into office. I'm I'm done with the yeah. Bidens. I'm done with the Clintons. And and are we still again bringing back the Kennedys? I mean, it's like
0: this one in particular. Uh, he just uh, he seems so reminiscent. Uh, 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 it's like um, it's like a living ghost. And I, and I hope I, I hope I do I do pray mm-hmm. for him um, because I, I really I really fear. Um, him, I oh, I really hope and pray that he does not end up like,
2: yeah, well, let's not numbers. even say that. Let's yeah. not even
0: say I, that. But I, that's yes, what I'm saying. I'm, I'm going to pray yeah. against that. I'm going to pray for We're, his, yeah. for his uh, health. I'm going to yeah. pray for him to, to, to do well on that side. Cause I uh, I know that, uh, I feel like it's going to be another, uh, Bernie Sanders situation where he's just going to get snubbed. Mm. Um, but I, I really hope and pray for this guy. I, I, I feel like he's genuine. Um, I, no, obviously I, I don't agree with. Um, that Democrat party is
2: vicious, man. They don't yeah. like you. They don't like you.
0: Yeah. And, um, he's getting it from all sides. And, and yeah. so, um, we'll just have to see how it plays out. Um, but yeah, just, just like with Trump or even, even Pence who might disagree with on a lot of stuff yeah. now, um, I'm going to be praying for all these guys because, um, any one of them are potentially the next leader of our country. And, um, that that's what we're 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 uh, uh, well representative I should say I'm gonna change I'm gonna change that vernacular real quick representative of our country because they no. they're not they're not a leader there's there's there are no leaders in government they' are only representatives that's that was the whole point um or it's supposed to be yeah it's supposed to be <laughs> um so uh, uh closing that out uh real quick uh David I have to ask you real quick uh, I don't know uh if you would like to join us for this this next uh portion just before we close. We normally do a closing prayer. Um, are are you good to, to hang around for that?
1: Sure. I mean, uh, no problem. <laughs> I don't, okay. Do I have? I don't. I don't really uh, pray myself, so I don't know if you needed me to participate or just you know be here. Uh, so you let me
0: know you're welcome to just just be here uh, uh, we'll do okay. outros in just a second I just um I didn't want to 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 keep you in on something you may be uncomfortable with or or, or make you feel uh put out in any way shape or form because you are our guest and uh you know we welcomed you here and we want we want you to continue to want to be here um in the future um so that we can continue our conversations sure. all right um Danny, would you uh, mind uh, leading us in a closing yeah, prayer?
2: let's pray. Lord, thank I just thank you for this time. I really thank you for having David on with us today. Uh, God, I just uh, I know that he's got a message that he's wanting to get out. God, and uh, you know, on this show, we do we do discuss you. We do talk about you. Uh, you know, we're, the, the faith portion of this is is. Us discussing our our hearts and our minds and our love for you, God, and just and just in all of that, there is a lot that David spoke to that I think that our audience would even agree that um, you you would be the author of. Maybe that's not what David is purporting it to, but regardless, it's it's just more evidence that we see that there, that these things do exist. Objective morality is a true thing, uh, Father. We know that natural law does exist, and we know that in these things that that are objective. Father, we do believe that they come from you, Father. And we just thank you for that. And, and I thank you again for having an, a perspective on our show today uh, that we can mull over. And it's not a telling our audience what to think, but how to, you know, and, and just to, to know all sides. And, and I'm not a believer, and in, in I don't think anybody here is a believer that all roads lead to heaven, if you even believe in a heaven, but I think really it's the truth. And that's what we want to get down to we want to know the truth we want to discover the truth truth can't be created it's only discovered and so just help us to see that holy spirit just lead us to that god lead us to what the truth is so that we may see it we may recognize it and 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 have that choice of accepting it uh father and 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 god help us if we reject it lord and then just thank you again for the time i thank you for the conversation and the discussion and the openness and the willingness to uh answer questions on david's part and and Um, Just again for him being with us, Lord. Bless him, bless his time and where he's at and his travels and uh, his endeavors. And I just ask that you'll just uh, be with him. Keep him safe, God. Thank you for Cam and producing the show today and watching out for us behind the scenes, Lord. And we just ask that you'll be with Louie and Alan as they weren't able to be with us today. Keep them safe and and be with uh, the things that are going on in their lives, Lord. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Uh, That was Danny Tippett, the host of It Makes Sense podcast. Uh, we love having you, and so thank you for joining thank us. Thank you for and, having me. Yeah, um, And uh, then uh, go, go ahead and throw his stinger up real quick there.
2: The man, uh.
1: David Greenberg.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us, uh, Mr. Greenberg.
1: Thanks, David. It was a real pleasure. I really enjoyed the conversation. And uh, apropos to what you said, i I definitely be open to coming back and continuing the conversation if you guys would like that.
2: Absolutely. I know I would. And we'll have a conversation about being on It Makes Sense as well.
1: Yep.
0: Fantastic. uh, (laughs) This has been a a pleasure. Um, I've been your host, Joshua Cummins, reminding you to stay in trouble. (laughs) We'll see you next week.
2: See you guys.